We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So we're going to talk about something a little different today. And there is a connection to stocks and investing. And we've talked about the markets a ton as of late. But today we're talking fashion, brands, and the players in the apparel space. And of course, one of my favorite stocks right now is Poshmark, ticker P-O-S-H. By the way, I also have a closet on Poshmark and watching stuff fly off the shelves firsthand. And that's what we're talking about today. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. We're talking fashion. So I'm going to bring on our go-to retail expert, Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide out of New York. Jan, great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. How you doing? I couldn't be happier to be here, and I am doing fantastically well. Thank you. Yeah, as I mentioned in the lead, Jan's a regular on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. We talk retail all the time. Often, before I put him on with our, our host... We'll have these great conversations, and I was like, Jan, why don't we, uh, why don't we talk about some of this stuff for the podcast? So um, here we are. So to kind of set the table, Jan, real quick, give us a little background here as we get started. Hey, well, I stocked my first shelf seriously in 1968 for Sam Walton, and that's when I got the bug about retail. That was his 26th store. Now Walmart has 4,700 just in the United States, not counting. 11,500 total worldwide. Before you go with that, was he in the stores at that time when you started uh, stocking shelves? Well, of course. I stocked it for his grand opening of number 26, the first store ever built outside of Arkansas. He was there all the time. And at the end of the summer, he said, son, you should go back to college, which meant I was either a really bad stocker or he thought I was destined for better things than just stocking his shelves. Oh my and gosh. I went back to college and there the rest is history. So wow, that's outstanding. I never even had any idea that that happened. Wow, and you had close contact from one of the greatest retailers in American history. So then at when you went back to school, go ahead, I interrupted you, but go ahead. Well, I went back to school. I still worked in retail. I'd already been working in retail since I was 15 and a half years old, and I went back, I finished college and did itch in the service. And then I took a step away from retail for a while. Well, that's not exactly right. When I, I went to work for a big S&P 500 company that wasn't really a retailer, but at the same time, I started three restaurants and operated those in my spare time while I was working my way through that. But it led me to working for two years for Carl Icahn doing deals. 
And that was in New York, of course. And at the end of that two years, I got a call from a retailer that said, hey, we want you to come back to St. Louis. We want you to come back into retail. And I went to work for the May Department Stores Company. And that company had 404 department stores, 4,500 shoe stores, 218 discount stores, over 100 off-price stores, 26 super regional shopping centers, and other nits and nats. And I either bought financed or sold every one of those things I just named. You're, you're talking about May stores. I think it was also called Federated May at some point in its history. That was the company that bought up all the regional uh, department stores across America and, and brought them under that, that May umbrella. Is, am, am I kind of right with that? Yeah, and we were that really bad company that bought Marshall Fields from Target. Right there in good old Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, but we kept running it as Marshall Fields, and then when we merged with Federated, which became Macy's because they owned Macy's at the time. After that merger, they renamed everything in the country Macy's. Everything that we owned, everything that they owned. We had 19 different department store names, including Marshall Fields. And at the end, today it's all Macy's. I, I grew up in the. Youngstown, Pittsburgh, Cleveland area. I mean, there were department stores like Kaufman's and Strauss's, and uh, that's we just Strauss's. That's just one example in Ohio. In New York, there was a different chain, but that that was all consolidated under May, and then yes, I, I can't rattle them all off. But we owned G Fox, we owned Lord and Taylor, we owned Filene's. We owned the Heck Company. We owned Coffins. We owned Strauss. We owned uh, O'Neill's. That must have been in your hometown. Um, we owned Foley's and May Company California and Myron Frank and ZCMI and Goldwater's. And I could just keep rattling them off, but right. so- we owned all those regional names. And then once the uh, industry consolidated, now now basically there's Macy's and a couple other competitors, you know, Dillard's I guess is in the space. Uh we've we just lost Lord and Taylor not too long ago. The industry has changed in a major major way since uh y- you were, you know, started stocking shelves. So, um how has it changed in the last 10, 15 years? And then let's fast forward to conditions to today. I think the most interesting thing to think about is that, you know, Amazon sold its first product in 1999, really. He founded the company in 95, but they started selling product in 99. And from 1999 to 2019, 20-year period, they basically went from of sales to 4% of national sales. And they were growing at about, they were getting 35 cents out of every new dollar of sales in America. If you look at Walmart, when they started in 1962, by 1982, they were about 4% of national sales and they were getting 50 cents out of every new dollar of retail sales. So Walmart did before Amazon, what Amazon did from 2000 to now, they took over the industry, right? So the industry went from having 200 different department store names when I went into business to what it's got now. Like you said, there's Dillard's, there's Macy's, and there's nobody else big enough to talk about. There's Belk, there's a few Bonton stores left, but there, it's really, it's, there's there's nothing left of the industry. Sears is basically gone. Pennies, for all practical purposes, is gone. And 
it, we've come down to the big players like, you know, Walmart's still fabulous, Target's still fabulous. But all of those other discount players we had, like Venture and Caldor and Gold Circle and Zare and all those names that you could come up with if you went back through, they're all gone. And it wasn't just the department stores that went away. The discount space took out everything. And then the other big growth area from 2000 to now has been off-price, TJ Maxx, Ross, Burlington Stores. That's taken a huge amount of market share. And the market share donors, unfortunately, were all those department stores that we owned and I named. And a lot of, of the specialty stores, because the specialty stores all blossomed between 1980 and the year 2000. And they've been given ground ever since, which is why the mall has been not nearly as fun a place as it was when everybody was running around there in the 80s and they were making movies like, I don't know, Fast Times at Richmond High and everybody worked at the mall, remember? Oh yeah, totally, absolutely. I mean, even I worked at the mall. I didn't work in retail. I worked at a Sabaros, but, uh, you know, I was part of that crowd uh, back in the day. Let, well, let me ask you this, Jen. In in 1999, 2000, you had this little online bookseller, basically. Wasn't that what Amazon was? Just basically an am, an online bookseller. Would you have ever thought in a million years it would even reach anything to this scope? Let me tell you a story on myself that I haven't told you before. In 1999, I walked warehouse number one with Jeff Bezos because and then he was just Jeff Bezos. He wasn't Jeff Bezos. And he was happy to show me the distribution center. And I walked out and I called my boss and I said, I'm telling you, these guys take $5 bill, tape it to every book, and mail it out to the consumer. They'll be broke before they can ever be a problem. So, no, I would have never dreamed that Amazon would have become what Amazon became. And then you, you also mentioned how the rise of the treasure hunt for retailers, TJX, Ross, uh, Nordstrom Rack, those type of stores, home goods under that TJX umbrella. Did you see that come to be? I mean, I guess Filene's and some of the earlier players kind of held that space. But what about the TJX brands and the Rosses? What what have they done right? They still do really, really well. And a lot of people like that so-called almost like treasure hunt uh, feel when you go into their stores. You don't really know what you're going to get, and there's all kinds of stuff, and you're searching for a good deal. Uh, when did that come to prominence? Did you kind of foresee that? I'm glad you asked that question because I tried my best to convince the board of directors at the company that we should buy TJ back in the day. That was would have been 2002 or three somewhere back there. Okay. And they were, of course, small enough we could have bought them. Today, if anybody bought anybody, they'd buy Macy's. Macy's wouldn't buy them, right? Right, right. They're bigger than Macy's. They're doing more business than Macy's. But yes, I did foresee that. However, at the time, they were we owned Lomans, so we had a competitor to TJ Maxx with Ross. I mean, we owned a discount, an off-price store, and I thought we should get bigger and off-price, and that wasn't the direction we took because you know big companies do make mistakes on what their strategic planning process should look like, which I was. I was running long-range financial planning. I was supposed to be looking out there and seeing these things. And, yeah, it seemed very clear to me that there was a huge market for that. And at the time, as you probably know, they were real off-pricers, right? They were getting almost all their product as overruns or something we kicked out and didn't accept. Actually, like product that. product from department stores that was overstocked. That's where they sourced most of it early on, correct? Yeah. And today, if you 
they don't tell you this, but if you went to TJ Maxx and talked to them, and they would tell you, about 86% of what they sell is ordered directly from the vendor, just like Macy's orders everything directly from the vendor. And only about 14% of that is true kickouts and overruns and things that are really you know, off price, where when they started, almost 100% of what they did was truly off price. Well, and that-, that was true for Burlington and Ross. Ross today is still about 60% ordered direct and 40% off price, but TJ is more like truly 14% off price. They're right now just really low price as opposed to off price. And, and that goes for a lot of the factory stores. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that when you go into these factory stores and stuff, the overwhelming stuff in there is not from, you know, if a banana a Republic factory store, it's not like they're sourcing it from there. They get, actually have products made specifically for those stores. Oh, you take me back in time. In the old days, when I got in this business, factory outlet stores really were selling seconds, right? Something had a little mark in it or right. colors that nobody was going to buy. They truly were factory outlet stuff. And the factory just said, you know, one's never going to sell a full price and we're just going to kick this out to the factory outlets. Yeah. Now, all that stuff is basically made for the factory outlet so they can have the same name, but they can sell a much cheaper product and therefore feels like you're getting a much better deal. Not that you're not getting a deal, but you're not getting the deal that you think you might be getting because you're not really buying a $100 shirt for $25. You're buying a $25 shirt for $25. But they're still giving you a good deal because they're doing this mass production of you know the lower end good. So it's not that it's not good product, but it's not really $100 product being sold for 25 bucks like it was at one point in time. We're going to be right back with Jan talking you know, specific retailers. Uh, I'd love to talk to Jan also about Poshmark. But hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. We'll be right back with Jan talking retail after the break. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
back with Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide. Um, Jan, real quick before we get back to our discussion, I always uh, ask our guests if there's anything they want to plug, anything for the Gaines listener, any websites, anything that you want to plug uh, before we uh, start the convo again. No, I don't plug. I, uh, I'm delighted to be here and, you know, I consult for a living on retailers and investors in retail, and I do a lot of work in the space that is expert witness work on retail lawsuits and things like that. So if anybody's dying to have a retail expert talk about something or be involved in something, I'm your guy. But other than that, no, I'm not plugging anything. And of course, it's CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide. Okay, so back to our discussion. Um, where's the consumer now? You know, fast forward to today, and we were talking about just, you know, kind of taking a uh, uh, going down memory lane of retail, but you know, fast forward today, we have the discounters uh, or the, uh, you know the TJX, the Nordstrom racks. They're doing great. Uh, we have um, Amazon obviously doing their thing, and the department stores, aka Macy's, now pretty much. Uh, you mentioned Belks and Dillard's. There's a couple smaller chains, but they've kind of had a rough go. But we've even seen an uptick. In, in, in Macy's as of late as well. So where's the consumer at? And, and just kind of hit, wh- wh- what's the landscape? And, and how do you see retail right now? Okay, I'm going to stamp my foot and I'm going to say, as of yesterday, the retail consumer was fine. The retail consumer was still accepting price. They were still buying as much as they could manage to buy. They were paying up that 85 or 10% or whatever the true inflation rate really is. And that has not changed through yesterday, and it's not going to change probably for the next, no matter what anybody says about the recession, nine months, because it's going to take them that long to spend down that $3 trillion-plus they're sitting on, which they only had $1 trillion they were sitting on in 2019. So it's going to be really hard for the consumer to back away unless there's some shock that scares them. You don't stop spending when unemployment's three and a half percent, and when the jolts, you know, the, the available jobs is almost 12 million, and there's only six million people looking for jobs. That does not slow the consumer down. Inflation will change the way they think about buying some things. We're seeing them trade down a little bit in groceries to private label stuff, but we are not seeing it through the rest of the business. If you looked at the luxury goods, they were still selling really well as of yesterday. If you looked at Macy's report for the first quarter, they had a really strong first quarter. So did Capri, so did Tapestry, you know, so did PVH, so did Levi. Good brands and strong product, even though they all raised prices, they were good. Now, we did see some weakening at Target and Walmart, but that was in profitability. It wasn't in sales. They both had good sales. It's just that they didn't raise prices fast enough to make up for the cost increases they had to put up with. The consumer's healthy. The consumer at some point in time will draw back, and at some point in time we will have a recession. But I don't think we're there. And I don't even think that gas prices where they are today, which are, of course, on an all-time high, are going to slow down the consumer. It is certainly hurting the low-end consumer, the lower 20% of the population, let's say, as far as income, because they spend an enormous percentage of their total ability to spend on transportation, and they're getting really hurt on gasoline. But the consumer at large 
is still very healthy. And I think that will remain true until we see something happen with jobs. We always said, and when I was in the business, we did, I've seen a thousand focus groups. We did one a week for 20 years that I was involved with. And so we were always asked some questions. But if we said to you, do you have a job? Will you keep your job? And if you lost your job, could you get another one paying just as much or more? And if you could answer yes to all three of those questions, you just kept spending. And I will argue that right now, there never before in history have we seen as many people be able to answer yes to all three of those questions as we can see right now. Kind of doesn't feel like that for a lot of people. I think that's kind of the inflation seeping in, which makes things feel uh, expensive. So you see, as you mentioned, Nordstrom's JWN ticker on that stock has done really well. That's on the luxury end. You mentioned, you know, Macy's has had a, a little bit of an uptick now. You saw you you were talking Target and Walmart, TGT and WMT. How about the mall brands? How about like the Expresses and the Banana Republics, Gap's Old Navies? You know, how are the 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 uh, mall brands shaping up? I know Abercrombie was a little weak as of late, but that might be specific to them. Uh, what's your take on, on the mall brands? How are they going to shape up? Of everything you mentioned just now, the mall brands, Express is about the only one that has continued to perform well. And, you know, Abercrombie has been a struggle for a while and struggled more given what's been going on with the supply chain. But in general, Gap has really had a hard run and not good. And I don't see the mall-based inside the mall guys that you're talking about, they're struggling. And they're struggling because they have a harder time dealing with the cost increases and the supply chain disruptions. They just don't have the, the strength to deal with that that a Walmart, Target, Macy's, and Kohl's has. But they just don't have the logistics to do that. And their customer is a teen and postgraduate customer, basically. And right. they have not been as strong as the, the working group customer, right? The people between 25 and 55 years old. And the mall brands also probably, in a lot of cases, seem to have a bit of a traffic problem. Uh, mall traffic has been a rough going, especially, uh, you know, I, I guess in the high-end malls, but we've even seen that drop off a bit a little bit, but those mid-range malls where they're all the brands we just talked about, those mall brands are in there. A lot of them, you know, they don't see a ton of great traffic either. I, I got to think that's plays into it. That was already a struggle before COVID. This is not new. I've been saying since 2014, back when we had 1,221 enclosed malls that we couldn't possibly need more than six or 700 of them. Now we're down to about 900. And I say all the time, can we really need more than 350 or 400 of them? Because there are 350 great malls still in the country. The bad news is, as I said, there's over 900 malls. And those better, higher-end malls, they'll continue to do well. They'll have rising rents. They'll have rising traffic. The best stores will want to be in those malls. And the luxury goods players will be in there. And the higher-end players will be in there. But all of the rest of those malls have to change. And they, you know, some will go bankrupt. Some will get bulldoze some will convert in the local centers some will change over and do more things like workout facilities and doctor's offices and stuff like that but those malls almost have to go through reorganization before they can do that because they can't generate enough cash flow out of those kinds of businesses like they do when it's 
retail stores. And so, yeah, I think we're going to come down to, you know, Macy's announced the other day that they were coming down, I think, to 380 full-line stores. That's about how many malls you need. You know, if Macy's thinks 380 is right, it's probably pretty close. Right. So I, I do think you're right. We're, we're seeing a struggle with the mall, but we were seeing a struggle with the mall before COVID. COVID just increased that problem. But the best malls, yeah, they're still doing well, and they'll continue to do well, and they'll become more experiential, more fun, and all the best stores will be there. Oh, another factor. I, I love this one. I love the stock. I, I love the, the online marketplace. Poshmark, ticker P-O-S-H, by the way, on that for you Gaines listeners. Uh, I'd love to get your take on Poshmark. I've dabbled in it and have discovered some unique and interesting things. I love the stock. And I think it could even play in in, in, a, in a rough uh, economic environment because you can still source a lot of quality clothing at much lower prices as well. But your thought on Poshmark and, and what's going on there? Well, you know, it's not just Poshmark, right? It's Poshmark. It's the real, real. It's thread up. It's there's a, there's quite a few players that have come in to do what I'll call pre-owned clothing and accessories and jewelry and all that kind of stuff. But Poshmark is one of the ones that I like the best because they're higher end, right? They deal with more better goods than some of the other names. And there is certainly a customer trending toward, I feel better about it because this is more environmentally friendly than me buying, say, something from what Shein or H&M or all that that's really selling disposable that fast fashion goods yeah. fast fashion we don't use the term fast fashion much anymore but because it's become a pejorative but yes fast fashion was destroying every dump in the country because so much clothing was going into the dump because you could buy a blouse for 14 bucks right and that that whole mindset has started to change especially with the younger customer they've said i need to be more responsible now for whatever reason they've still gone out and bought all that stuff from Shein, but i still think at some point in time that's going to change their mindset is still moving toward being more environmentally friendly and that means the resellers will be easier to deal with now i do think we're going to see a movement by people like if I'm Gucci, shouldn't I be the one reselling Gucci instead of somebody else because I can authenticate it and I can make sure it's in decent repair when it gets sold? And if I'm Louis Vuitton, don't I want to be the one that sells the Louis Vuitton and authenticates it and make sure it's in good shape? Yes, I do. So I do think you're just seeing all of those players start to look at this. But there's certainly a place for resellers, the ones that do it well. And Poshmark, in my opinion, is one of the best ones because – they have managed to stay with the higher and better product, and they've executed it really well. But that whole area, I think, is, is ripe for growth, and I think it would have grown even faster had all the dislocations of COVID not happened. A uh, full disclosure, just for the Gaines audience, uh, I, I'm doing a lot with Poshmark right now. I mean, beyond just buying the stock, I have an online, they call them closets. Uh, a lot of my stuff, I, I actually specialize more, in, and I, I've been able to source some quality brands, women's clothing, and and that's what I'm kind of moving on Poshmark. Uh, the two brands that I found the sweet spot for me is Free People and Made Well. Back to what I was mentioning to you when I talked to you about getting into this, as I've noticed even some of those brands, and, and you had even mentioned it at the time, are actually 
picking some of their excess stock and going that route as well as having their own stores, whether I don't know if it's on Poshmark or another uh, app that that's in the thing. You mentioned the real real. That's another one. The other one that I that I like too is Macari, though I think Poshmark's the best in space. But even even brands are taking some of their access, and you alluded to that, and 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 going that route. They certainly are. And you left out Patagonia. They, of course, were mm-hmm. one of the first ones that they were just going to do our own stuff. And they but, they are you know, in the secondhand market. Uh, just just a really uh, Patagonia. All of their stuff sells. If you get their stuff at a really good deal, uh, you can move it, and it doesn't sit around very long. That's a good point, but go ahead. Sorry. And Free People, of course, is owned by Urban Outfitters. You mentioned them. Um, and, yes, they've been looking at the same concept, but Free People has been you know, very strong for them in the mall relative to the rest of their businesses. And that's because it's done so well with the late high school, college you know, kind of crowd from the point of view of the age group that's, that's really bought that. So you're seeing all of those kind of companies uh, take, a, take a really hard look at, hmm, maybe we should be doing some of this ourselves. And they're starting to also do something that's interesting to me, which is you can buy free people in Nordstrom's, right? So even though Urban Outfitters owns it and always had it as their own brand, they're moving out to where they say, maybe we should have a vignette in some of these other stores. And you're seeing a lot of different retailers do that, especially the online guys, because they want to get into a store. And so they'll put a store inside of Macy's. Macy's now has probably 20 different lease departments inside of some of their stores, everything from Sunglass Hut to actually Starbucks, but other people, you know, like great people where they can, they can be the mall as well. And so you're seeing all of that kind of get pushed together. And even people like, you know, Macy's now has backstage what they're doing the off-price segment, but they're also looking at having pre-owned clothing in their stores. And even people like Levi, which you know is the number one, Levi, or no, Levi is the number one denim brand in the world, but they're doing vintage clothing and recycled clothing as well. So it's that that whole thing is merging into. Everything from Goodwill to Louis Vuitton is now coming into the same marketplace. And it's interesting. Even you mentioned Goodwill. A lot of a lot of the resellers on Poshmark they will source a lot of their stuff at Goodwill. I've talked to a couple folks that said they believe that people actually in Goodwill, Salvation Army, and some of these places are actually picking some of this stuff where they didn't before and putting it on their online marketplaces. So there's a lot of things in in, in motion here. It's a, it's a, it's a super interesting uh, space right now. I can also say something very heretical. One of the reasons I'm not as big a fan of the off-price space, PJ, et cetera, is exactly what you just said. If you can buy a Louis Vuitton piece that really is a Louis Vuitton piece that you're selling because you're on Postmark, or you can buy something at TJX or Ross or Burlington at the same price, wouldn't you rather have a really great Louis Vuitton at the same price, even if it's pre-owned? So I think that's going to put pressure on them. The other thing I believe is that, as you probably know, we're at about 50% of apparel sales online now. It was 46% in 2020. It nicked down a little bit in 2021, and it'll soon be 50%. And if 50% of the sales are online and the off-price guys are terrible online, that's going to put pressure on the off-price space as well. So I had actually decided in 2017 through 2019 that we might be starting to see the off-price space start to peak. And part of that I thought was going to be driven by 
people like Poshmark. And the rest of it, I thought, was going to be driven by the fact that, you know, Amazon is now the largest seller of apparel. Guess what? That's online. And then everybody else is hugely online other than the authorized space. So that's got to put a lot of pressure on them going forward for the number of stores they're operating. We're going to talk about brands here in a second. I know you're a big, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Lululemon guy. But uh, let's let's talk winners first. You know, it's the Gaines podcast. We're always looking for winners in the space. Uh, I'm going to just start with a couple things that I like, and you're the expert. You know, just take my advice for for fun. I love like a JWN, so Nordstrom in the more luxury space. Uh, I like Express in the mall, and you had mentioned that they've actually done okay, and I I like their their two dollar eighty cents a, a share and. And, and them turning it around a, a bit. And the, the ticker on that is EXPR. And then I talk about it all the time. We've just had a big conversation about it. I like Poshmark, P-O-S-H. So those are just kind of what I see as a degenerate uh, risk taker who plays stocks and 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 likes to follow retail and and has a little uh, little action and shop in on Poshmark. You as the expert, give me a couple winners that, you know, these are comp- these are companies or retailers that are going to do really well, you know, going five, 10 years out. Okay. First thing I'm going to say, I actually like the three you named and I like them now and 10 years out, who the hell knows, but let's talk about the immediate future and the little longer term, right? Which is what we all invest for. And right now I'm a huge fan of brand and you mentioned that a while ago, but I like Capri, you know, and I like Tapestry. And I like Ralph Lauren, and I like Levi, and I do like Lulu. I also like Contour, you know, the other denim player out there. Um, I don't think I mentioned Nike. I like Nike, even though I, you're right. I only wear Lululemon, and I think it's the greatest stuff anybody ever put out for working out. But but the brands, PVH, I also like. The brands are, are doing going to do really well going forward here for the next nine months anyway, from the point of view of where the customer is. The customer actually does want to buy clothes again, and they're actually leaning toward better stuff and aspirational stuff, and they're willing to pay up for it. So all those brands I named are in the, you know, I like the Louis Vuitton and I like carrying with Gucci too. But down from there, those other ones I named, I think will do well also. And that's going to be Longer term, I think the world belongs to brands. But right now, for the next nine months to the year or so, I think the consumer is going to insist on buying apparel, accessories, shoes, jewelry. And I think those players will do really well. I also really like the cosmetic side of the business. So it's hard not to like Ulta and it's hard not to like Escalator when everybody takes their mask off and puts on makeup. And by the way, makeup does really well in in rough economic times. You've always heard about the lipstick index. I know you know about that. Explain that real quick for the Gaines listener. That's a little little data point or nugget that, uh, you know, can tell you a little bit about where, where things are. Well, there's all kinds of things you can look at. But when people, it's kind of like the, the hemline index, right? But when people are starting to struggle and don't feel so great, do liquor sales go down? No, liquor sales go up. And when people don't feel so great, they want to look better. So makeup and lipstick usually does well. But that's, you know, those are those are broad indicators of how the consumer is feeling about things. And right now, quite honestly, in a recent survey, 80% of the retailer or consumers said they felt good about their recent raises. So despite the fact they're unhappy about inflation and they don't like what's going on with gas prices, 
If 80% of them say, hey, I feel pretty good about what's happening with my company and my raises, that's a pretty happy consumer. And a confident consumer is going to buy stuff like you just you, you mentioned on the onset of this podcast. I believe that we're going to see experiences take over, just like everybody thinks, right? You want to get on an airplane and go someplace. You want to drive your car and go someplace. You want to take your family and do stuff. And, but at the same time, since you haven't bought any new clothes in the last two years, we're going to see a really good run in apparel, accessories, shoes, cosmetics, that stuff that you need to go do something. And we're seeing it in more, a little dressier, right? Nobody's dressing up from the point of view of going to work, but they are buying more where to work kind of clothes, even if they're going out in them. And they are buying a little dressier stuff than they have bought for the last three years. So, that's going to continue because we're going to keep going places and we're going to want to wear stuff to do it. Now, what has to happen at that same time, you can't be good everywhere. So we're going to, we're already seeing less sales in big ticket items, right? The, the couches you were buying for two years because you were stuck in your house is slowing down. And that will translate into eventually probably a little bit of DIY slowing down because everybody was also fixing up their houses. But I don't think we're going to see any slowdown at all in the apparel side, just because, experiences pick up because I think you need stuff to go somewhere now and you, you have to go buy it. And I mean, if you're going to take a Hawaiian vacation or uh, go down the Caribbean, I mean, for me, the first place I'd go into is update that, uh, the, the wardrobe at Tommy Bahamas. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd get some nice plate. You're gonna, I mean, if you're going to go out, I mean, a lot of times you go on a vacation, you eat out at some nice restaurants, you're doing activities, you're going to want to look good. So that totally makes sense. You're certainly not going to take your couch, a television, or a refrigerator with you on your trip. And if you either gained 25 pounds or you worked out the whole time during COVID and you lost 25 pounds and you've got great musculature, you're buying new stuff to either hide what you did or show off what you did because you are a different person than you were three years ago when you last updated your wardrobe. Actually, that's an excellent point. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but that, that totally makes sense. And, and as a, a lot of people, I mean, even come back to the, the office, it's amazing. People look different. There's people that, you know, have come back to the office you haven't seen two, three years. They either, you know, have lost a ton of weight and are totally fit, or there's other people where you've literally seen them gain a ton of weight. So that totally makes sense. And they're all two years older, three years older than the last time they bought clothes. That actually makes a difference yeah. for a lot of people's wardrobes. Actually, yeah, and in both style. And then style has changed quite a bit. The world has gotten way more casual. Yeah. That's kind of a segue to our, our, our final part of the today's discussion is the brands. And we talk about it, and I just have so much fun talking about it. So I'll start with with my, my choice. And we, we, I already kind of gave a little teaser. I know you're a Lululemon guy, head to toe. We talk about that off air all the time. I'm a big Lacoste guy. I love Lacoste. I love the history. I love, you know, it's it's the the original brand with the uh, the logo on the shirt. So I, I love Lacoste. I, we know you love Lululemon, and 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 every time I talk to you, you're head to toe uh, with Lululemon. But what's what's some of the sweet spot brands that you like? Well, I really I really like what Ralph Lauren is doing right now, and I do own a lot of that product. But I like them as a, as a company because I also think that being higher end where they are, and then I, I mentioned you know Capri, and you know they have brands and stores and 
in in the malls, and I think they'll do really well. And then I mentioned Tapestry, which is you know the old coach. They're doing really well too. And so, and Capri, by the way, is the old Michael Kors, but they all have three different brands. They're all pushing and they're all higher in. And I just think both of those companies would do well. And I just don't think you can go wrong. I'm standing here in a pair of Levi's as opposed to Lululemon at the moment. I don't think you can go wrong with a Levi. And even though I don't wear Nike, I think that they're just so far ahead of anybody else in their space. And I don't think the young guy in particular is walking away from that just because we're getting a little dressier. That that one's not going to struggle. And then, as you mentioned, I love Lululemon both as a product but also as as a company because they're just doing it so well. So, you know, the the one I've left out here, the two I've left out, I guess, are PVH and, and VF Corporation. And they have, you know, VF must have 70 brands. But they're very strong in the apparel side of the business. And so is PVH. And I think that's where the customer is right now. So I like those two as well. And, and they really haven't haven't reacted much to the change in the consumer's attitude on buying real clothes as opposed to stuff I stand in my house and in my sweats and talk on video. But you love Ralph Lauren and, um, you know, tapestry, especially in the handbags. Do you think handbags, what's what's going on in, in that particular category? Well, hand, anytime you start redoing your outfits, you wind up needing shoes and handbags. If you're a woman or me, I was just in both uh, Michael Kors and Coach over the weekend. and we're seeing some changes in the bags. We're seeing new colors and we're seeing new sizes and backpacks that are dressy, like Louis Vuitton backpacks, Michael Kors backpacks, Coach backpacks, going crazy with women. And they're small, relatively speaking, right? That's, oh, by the way, you know, that's one area, you know, I talk Poshmark. That's another area of Poshmark that I've found a bit of a, uh, a sweet spot here. One thing that is Michael Kors backpacks, so hot right now. I, I, I get a ton of uh, interest on that. You, you talk about Nike, uh, uh, some Nike gear, especially like specialized stuff like tennis, uh, in the tennis category, the golf category. That's been really hot, obviously. It's seasonal as well. And again, those like mid-tier to upper uh, brands. Uh, like I'll give you a couple uh, things that I'm, I'm moving as well, like in, in the female space, like in the in the uh, jean space, a Goldie, a Goldie is unbelievable. I cannot keep those in stocks when I get my or in stock when I get my hand on a Goldie jeans. It, it pretty much it doesn't even matter the style. They are are hot right now in, in the denim spot. Like Supreme, you can't keep things like Supreme in stock either. And anything like that that's novel and niche, if you can get that on a place like Poshmark, your eyes going to win. Along with like brands like Patagonia, Nike, there's a lot of it out there, but if you you pick your spots there, we talked about Free People, which was you mentioned an urban outfitters brand. You know what another one that's doing really well on Poshmark and I'm just seeing this, you know, firsthand is Ann Taylor stuff, not Ann Taylor factory, not not loft and Taylor's store stuff, I've sourced a bunch of that, and that stuff is moving like crazy. And I'm wondering, is it because people are maybe going back to the office in a little more casual way? I, what, what do you think is behind that? I'm just curious. I have to admit, I don't know, and I'm totally shocked to hear your story. I had no idea that 
anybody was seeing really strong movement in pre-owned and Taylor. I'm going to have to investigate that. That's a great story. And that will lead me down some rabbit hole, I'm sure. But it's got to be what you said. It has to be people wanting that for office wear and they don't have anything in their closets that's appropriate from three years ago. And so they're fishing for some things that are work appropriate and yet casual enough to wear other places. But I love the story. Didn't know that was happening. And that, I bet you weren't surprised about Michael Kors being hot, huh? No, no, I'm not surprised at that at all. But Ann Taylor, man, they've been dead for years. So that's a great story. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And then and then a gold. And you're familiar with, obviously, a Goldie. And, and you mentioned the yeah. other brands as well. That's, that's a... Uh, those particular brands, I mean, you you see them, you post them, and they are gone. So anyway, as we're wrapping up today's Gaines podcast, uh, what's your takeaway? What do you want the Gaines listener to leave uh, today's discussion with? That we're not on the verge of a recession that's a consumer-led recession because the consumer is still quite strong. That brands are important now, and they're going to be important more important than third-party sellers of brands into the future, that we're going to see a big market in pre-owned goods. The thing you have to guess is who's going to win in that market, but we're definitely going to see that happen. And that we may not see the strength taking market share in off-price that we have for the past 20 years, and that's a good thing to watch. Yeah, that speaks to the likes of TJX. Correct. That's TGX, Ross, and Burlington, and even though I've been fans of all of them because they've done a great job, I think the world is changing at this point in time, and they're standing in a place where online doesn't work very well. And again, and you mentioned this too, I mean, it's it's going to be harder and harder for them to get the, the brands other than what their store is being sourced with. Post-pandemic, the supply chains are going to be much more efficient because they were already getting much more efficient in 2017, 18, 19. And then it all, you know, blew up during COVID. But as soon as this is over, that whole strengthening of the supply chain, making the supply chain more efficient, shorter, you know, technology, RFID, SAS models, all that stuff has just blossomed. And that is going to make it harder and harder to find deals for the off-price guys to play in. Because the deals come from the slush of these brands not being as efficient as they are becoming now. And you mentioned that with the supply chain. Well, hey, Jan, it's a it was great to have you on today. We'll definitely do it again. Um, big thanks to Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide out of New York. Uh, we'll do this again sometime, and we'll certainly uh, have you on the Noon Business Hour really soon, Jan. Thank you so much. All right, that's going to wrap up the uh, Gains podcast. What a great, fun discussion we had today. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back on Wednesday morning, and I will see you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.